0: Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callous, episode 591, coming to you on Tuesday, the 27th of February, the year of our Lord, 2024, and it is a Texas Tuesday, that's right, Texas Tuesday is back, right during the middle of the primaries, they didn't want us to talk about this, <laughs> they didn't want this to be a ballot question, because they were afraid of who would show up and vote in the Republican primary, Well, my answer to that is if you were to close the primaries 10 years ago, like you were told to, we wouldn't have this problem. But today we're going to spend a little time, just a little bit, talking about Texit and what it is and what it is not. I think that it's very easy to throw around words, many of those words, which will probably get this flagged and probably give me two episodes in a row that uh, mysteriously have less than 100 listens or downloads if you prefer, but nevertheless, we must do this. It is necessary. In the context of Texit, there are three words that are thrown around quite often. And I decided that I would take the time to go to the dictionary and give you the definition and then ask you if you think that that fits what the explanation of what's going on is, or does not maybe even fit something else better? So the first thing we're going to talk about is the word Traitor! Oh, you know what? Before we get into that. Okay. I'm deviating from the normal practice here. Uh, The way you can help me overcome the algorithm, the way you can help me continue to make an impact and grow the program is to like, share and subscribe to this program. Follow me on your social media of choice follow subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcatcher just know I have a page and a group over at Facebook and I drop in over at me we in gab and I usually respond if you are kind enough to put in something for me to read in addition my email and phone number is readily available at my website which is according to callous.com and you know what Most of my stuff is still up at YouTube as well. So here we go. On with the program. All right. So when you're talking about the context of Texit and you're talking about, let's call them people that would like to conflate terms, which is a nice way of saying they exaggerate or they lie, but we're we're going to be specific. Terms matter, right? Truth matters. How you say it matters. And we want to be fair and honest in all of our dealings. So I have pulled up my uh, brave search engine here and I'm going to go to the dictionaries that are readily available online. The first word I'm going to look up is is traitor. Now, the reason why is because it's very easily thrown at people that you are a traitor because you support Texit. Well, let's think about this. The Dictionary meaning, courtesy of Miriam Webster, is the meaning of traitor is one who betrays another's trust or is false to an obligation or duty. Okay, that's fair enough. The Cambridge Dictionary says a person who is not loyal or stops being loyal to their own country, social class, or beliefs. Okay. But in the context of what we're discussing, I don't think that that's appropriate. So let's go down to Britannica, right? The Encyclopedia Britannica back when Britain was actually a world power, if you will. And it defines it as a person who is not loyal to his or her own country, a person who betrays a country or a group of people by helping and supporting the enemy. So you'd be called a traitor or perhaps traitoress. right? So that means that you would be capable or guilty of treason, right? That was another definition that I ran across when I was looking this up ahead of time. The reason why is I think it's very important that if we're going to use words, if we're going to make accusations, um, that we are opening up front and make sure that we're using the right word that properly fits this. So because now we've got another word here, let's look up what the word treason means because that's what a traitor is, right? Somebody that is capable of or has actually, in fact, done that. And treason is betrayal of allegiance towards one's own country, especially by committing hostile acts against it or aiding its enemies in committing such actions, okay? So treason, in a sense, is you take action against your country or you help somebody else Take action against your country. So now that we know what treason is, right? And traitor is basically somebody that is committed or is capable of committing treason. So when you look at traitor and you look at treason, I don't think it would be fair to say that anybody within the realm of being pro-Texit is actually this. Because we are maintaining our allegiance towards Texas. We're putting Texas first right? So, and then we're not looking to destroy the United States. We're not looking to harm the United States. Although some would say by Texas leaving, it would harm the United States. That's debatable. That's certainly up for discussion. Okay. So that being said, we're, and we're not in favor of using violence. That That's an important distinction, which will come up again here later. So let's talk about sedition because sedition is the other word that gets thrown around right you're a traitor or you're seditious well i'm going to pull this back up here and this, the word sedition means conduct or language inciting rebellion against the authority of the state or insurrection slash rebellion right now that's the uh the easy way let's let's go to britannica here and see if it's got a It's a criminal offense against the state. Sedition may have the same ultimate effect of treason, but it's generally limited to the defense of organizing or encouraging opposition to government in a manner that would be a dangerous offense, or I I should say it falls short of the more dangerous offense. So they're looking at it as a criminal offense, okay? Let's go here. Uh, Let's see. And the the book of English law says it's the vaguest of all offenses. Speaking or writing words calculated to excite disaffection against the Constitution as by law established to procure alteration of it. So essentially, anytime that you want to get the Constitution changed or amended, you could be charged with sedition. So all you folks out there that are um, wanting to amend the Constitution, Convention of States folks... In theory, you could be charged with sedition. All the civil rights people could be, in theory, charged with sedition. So we now know that this is an incredibly vague thing and the statute is not super helpful. But if we go to the most simplest thing, you're inciting resistance or insurrection. Okay, well, resistance really doesn't need any definition. I think that's pretty simple. You're opposed to something, right? So let's go look up insurrection and not the uh, <laughs> crazy thing that they made up uh, about January. We're going to focus on the dictionary definition because it's the instance of. Hmm. Let's make sure I get this correct here. One second. So the idea behind an insurrection is basically an open revolt against a civil authority or a constituted government. Okay, so that means we're going to have a civil authority or a lawful authority or the civil government. Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit now. So if you are working to damage your country or to allow or assist other enemies to damage or assist your country, or I'm sorry, to assist others to damage your country. Excuse me, excuse me. That would be following under the treason, right? That would be a treasonous act. So if we looked right now and said to ourselves, okay, who do we see that is actually working to hurt our country, and is working with our enemies to damage our country, and perhaps even getting payoffs from said actors to damage our country. Do you draw any conclusions here? Now, I can tell you with some level of certainty, nobody that I know involved with TNM, that's a Texas Nationalist Movement, is getting payoffs from China or Ukraine. I'm just saying. So, if we're going to throw around that word perhaps we ought to focus on individuals that are known or at least thought to be known to be getting payola from foreign countries or actors that are actively damaging our country. So if we're going to actually use that language rather than certain state representatives going after individuals that feel strongly about Texas independence, perhaps they should focus on other elected officials that are actively working against and damaging the country that they're supposed to be leading. I mean, I don't think I'm asking for too much here. I would really like to see that done. I would like to see some prosecutions of even former elected officials or appointed officials that have damaged and actively worked against the greater interest of these United States, especially as it affects Texas directly by some of the bad actions that have taken place. But I won't hold my breath. While we're on the topic of that, so when we're talking about sedition, Right? We're talking about incitement of resistance or insurrection against a lawful authority. Well, now we have two issues, right? Are, are you inciting action and is it a lawful authority? So the Constitution pretty much mandates that you have to act in a certain manner in order to be considered lawful in your actions. So if you're acting outside of those, you're being unlawful. Right. So if you are not fulfilling the terms of the contract, the Constitution, you're in violation of that. So you're outside of your civil authority uns- outside of the constituted government constraints. So if I were to be opposing you or working against you or in the instance of Texas nationalism, they say, well, that's all fine and dandy. We just don't want to be a part of it anymore. We want to separate ourselves from this because this is not what we signed up for who's the bigger enemy? Who is the bigger problem? The person that's violating the contract, the person that's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, or the person that's calling it out and saying, yeah, we're going to go our own way here. It seems to me that it's rather self-evident which is the correct way. And again, we should go back to our other elected officials, particularly a state rep that I have in mind. And if you're going to be throwing that term seditious at people, Perhaps you ought to look at the people that are already elected or serving in government that are actively working against lawful authority, disrupting the civil government, or, I don't know, inciting people to act in resistance. Perhaps some folks that are creating quote-unquote sanctuary cities. Perhaps people that are being scofflaws. Hmm? I'm just suggesting that perhaps you're pointing the finger at the wrong people here. We in the TNM, and I don't speak for the TNM, I'm just saying we, the members of TNM, we individuals that are proud to be part of TNM, we are trying to follow the legal process. We are trying to follow an established precedent whereupon one group of people choose to leave the state peacefully or separate a group of states. It's been done multiple times in history. And again, we don't want any violence. In fact, we're taking great lengths to avoid creating any violence or any animosity. That being said, when we're talking about the lawful authority or a civil government, if the government is no longer civil, meaning they're violating themselves, they've abused their power, and they're outside of their lawful bounds, is an act of resistance to it out of line? I mean, if you just look back historically, there have been many instances where groups of people or even sections of the government have told other sections of the government, no, you're not acting within your lawful authority. You are wrong here. You cannot do this. And it's gone both ways. The federal government's come in and told states or municipalities, you can't do it this way. This is the way it has to be done. Now, whether you agree with that or not, they were acting under what they felt was their constitutional understanding of the contract. Likewise, we've had many states finally wake up to the idea that just because there is a federal Supreme Court, their law don't tr- or don't, their law does not trump certain things at the state level. State laws are governing within the state. Federal law is only effective when it's confined to the specific things that have been approved and assigned to the federal government in pursuance to the constitution if you will so not all federal law is supreme the supremacy act is clear about this the constitution is clear about the constraints that are put on the federal government everything else resides to the state or I'm sorry resides within the state the state has a lot of authority and they just need to use it and some of the states are figuring that out so let me ask you are we then going to go and turn around and blame the states For creating problems. Well, I think not. I think, in fact, it was well known. Now we're going to go back in a little history lesson. Back in the 1830s, a good number of northeastern states, also known as Yankeedom, or if you perhaps prefer New England, they were unhappy with the dominant uh, presence that the southern states had within the constitutionally designed government. They didn't get the things that they wanted, so they threatened to leave the compact. They threatened to go their own way. And the southern states, being well aware that, one, this was legal, two, it was appropriate, and three, it would damage the union and it was going to have negative effects for all involved, said, you know what, we're going to negotiate a settlement here. We're going to work something out so that we can stay as part of the union, so we can maintain this compact of states. And they did that. So they avoided the dissolution of the union. They avoided the necess- well they avoided the need for an individual state to secede and leave the union. They were able to do that successfully because they compromised. And there were many compromises that were made along the way. Not all of them had to do with slavery, by the way. A good deal of them were had to do more with Uh, economic issues, not directly related to slavery. I'm not going to deny that when it came to the Civil War, that slavery wasn't one of the major factors why those states left, though I would say it was not the major factor for the North invading the South. I would just say that to be ill-prepared to discuss this puts you in a negative position. In other words, if you don't know the factors, if you don't know the history, if you don't know what the legal Framework of the Constitution is if you don't know what these words mean and somebody just throws them around aimlessly, that scares people. It shuts them down. It diffuses dialogue. It doesn't allow for us to have an adequate discussion of what's what and what's appropriate. Now, I got to be honest with you. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't see any of those coming out of the TM side of the equation. I do see this coming out of federal supremacists. I do see this coming out of the oligarchs, for lack of a better word, that are running things, a.k.a. the establishment. I do see that they are very uncomfortable with a changing of the status quo. But let me ask you something, and this is a Daniel Miller question, right? If you knew then what you knew now, would you decide to join the union? Would you have become part of the United States? I think that's a fair question, and I think it's only fair that we put the question on the ballot to the people of the state of Texas and say, should Texas look at becoming an independent state again? A ballot question is really nothing more than a popularity contest, or if you would uh, prefer a poll, and perhaps a very accurate poll based upon the voters that show up. Now, I am convinced that one of the reasons why it has not been put on the ballot is the Republican Party itself is one fearful of this, right? There's a large faction within the Republican Party that likes the things the way they are. They like being able to whine about what's going on in D.C. They like the position they're put in. They don't want to take on the risk or the responsibility of creating a new and independent nation. I get that. In fact, to a certain extent, I can... Or extent, I could respect that if they were just recognizing their limitations. If they were fearful, I would be disappointed in them, but I could at least respect that if they would be honest about their fear. In fact, there's a lot of naysayers out there that say there's going to be an invasion, the United States will never let us leave, they're going to come put us down, it's going to be a violent action. I'm like, why? Just because it happened once before when you had a tyrant in office that political future was determined. And necessary by a successful prosecution of a war against the southern states doesn't mean we have that now. It doesn't mean that the army as constructed would go along with it now. It doesn't mean that the navy would partake. It doesn't mean the air force would partake. You could be given off or I'm sorry you could be given off or boy let me try this again. You can be given orders that are awful. You can be getting given orders that are unlawful. You can be given orders that violate the conscience. All of these things can and have occurred in the past. And I would like to believe that some of the officers in the military still subscribe to the idea that they take an oath to the constitution. When they're given unlawful orders, they should not follow through with them. Unfortunately, with the hmm, Persian perversion of the ranks, right? And the dissolution of good standards, we probably have a lot more officers that are just a-okay with doing whatever they're told and not questioning anything. In fact, I think there's a possibility we might have some sociopaths in charge that are perfectly fine with killing innocent people. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but it's possible. In fact, some would say it's been designed to be that way. I'm not comfortable saying that. I'm just putting it out there. So the other part is when you're talking about going against a lawful authority and you're talking about what it would be to be an insurrection, right? We got to revisit this word for just a moment. It talks about an open revolt, often with violence. Well, an open revolt means that you're wanting to dispose of or oppose a government in place. We're not wanting to do that. We're wanting to separate. We're saying you can keep all your power and authority in the confines of the national government. We're just going to take Texas and go our own way. Likewise, we are not being violent, nor do we encourage violence. Now we need to be prepared for war, right? If you want peace, you need to prepare for war. I get it. But nobody's acting on that. Nobody wants to act on that. In fact, I have counseled here many, many times that you don't want that. You don't want civil war. You don't want a violent outcome. Everybody loses. The whole idea of a civil divorce, right, a national divorce is to let people go their own way. Even when that happens, a divorce can be amicable, right? You can separate on peaceful terms. If you look at the Czech Republic and Slovakia, they separated on peaceful terms. They're very good partners to each other as their own entities. If you look at the breakup of Hungary into smaller parts, they were very good. Now, if you want to look at Yugoslavia, that was another mess. But then consider how Yugoslavia was put together and how it was held together. Now you might understand when you then put it in the historical context of the conquests that went on in what was formerly Yugoslavia, why it's the mess that it is. Even if you take time out and you look at the Ukraine, I'm sorry, Ukraine, the country Ukraine, the Russians moved massive quantities of Russians there to bring stability and a love for Russia to Ukraine that maybe didn't exist at the time of the Soviet Union. That was a good strategy and it worked. And if you look, very much the same thing is going on right now. They're bringing in people in massive quantities to these United States who are going to be loyal to the federal government for many, many reasons, mostly cash. Let's just be honest, mostly cash. So when you're looking at what's happening in the state of Texas, right, it's going to be harder and harder to get that separation and to maintain our own unique culture to, to benefit from the Texian or even Tejano view of things, if you're disrupting that and displacing that with massive influxes of people, particularly from the coasts or other Central American countries, that's going to have deleterious or negative long-term effects on that which is Texas. So, We're running out of time where we can effectively make this change. And I think the federal government and the oligarchs are well aware of this, which is why they are encouraging and indeed making it possible for these things to happen. So then again, I revisit the idea. Who is being traitorous? Who is causing damage to their country? Who is undermining civil government? Is it us or is it perhaps somebody else? When you're talking about the idea of sedition, Could it not be said that somebody that's currently uh, a resident in D.C. worked to support and protect those that were bringing about violence and damage to our nation in the summer of love in 2020? Yet that person has no negative consequence. So. The real question is, what is the proper way to resist an uncivil government, a government that is. <clears throat> violating their lawful constraints. Well, you do have interposition, which is a lower level of government telling the higher level of government, yeah, we're not going to play along with that. We're not going to partake in that. You are wrong. And then you have nullification. That is a state or perhaps even a local locality telling the higher level of government, uh, we believe you've got this wrong and we're not going to enforce it. As a matter of fact, we're going to say that law or that ruling is not relevant in our location. Now, this has happened successfully many times in the last 20 years. Just look at all the drug laws that states have nullified. Now, you can be uncomfortable with that. You can actually be supportive of keeping drugs illegal. I'm not taking a position on that one way or another. I'm merely stating that it's happened. It's happened successfully, and that's where we're at right now. The states are doing what they want. Much like the sanctuary cities, they have created a crisis, yes, but nobody's done anything about it. Not even in our home state of Texas. And then just to put the uh, icing on the cake or the cherry on the sundae, the state of Hawaii said, Yes, federal government, you have mandated certain things out of SCOTUS, but here in the state of Hawaii, we see the Hawaiian Constitution as being supreme, or at least co-equal, and we're going to make our decision based upon that, and we're going to tell you, go pound hand. We're going to do what we want here in Hawaii. And let me assure you, there's going to be nobody at the federal level that's going to do anything about it. Oh, well, they're going to weep and they're going to whine, but at the end of the day, they don't have an effective enforcement mechanism. And quite frankly, I suspect a good number of the people at the federal level level particularly in the alphabet agencies want what Hawaii is going to do which is restrictions on firearms so it seems only to play that The state of Texas has the authority, the power, and the duty to defend the state of Texas and push back and say, well, actually, ATF, you don't have that authority here. Go away. Oh, actually, BLM, that's a Bureau of Land Management, you don't have that authority here. Go away. Hey, EPA, that's all fine and dandy, but we're not going to recognize your authority on these things that were not given to you by, one, the Constitution, or two, Congress, so go away. They could do these things right now if only we had authority in Austin that was willing to do this. And perhaps it's going to take another crisis to push us into this position. Perhaps it's going to require the next great uh, pandemic to come along to where they try and impose lockdowns. And our (coughs) governor (coughs) metaphorically stands up against that and says, Not no, but hell no. We're not going to do this. We're not going to play this way. We're not going to recognize your authority. We're not going along with this. We put the people of Texas above and beyond what you do in D.C., and we're going to do what's right for Texas. And if that means we're going to seal our borders, we're going to do it. And you can't stop us. And if that means we're going to protect our National Guard and not allow you to send them overseas unless there's a declared war, tough. We're not going to allow you to federalize them for other things unless there's a declared war. No, we're not going there. We are going to protect our border with our state guard and our national guard, and they're not going to follow orders from you because they're outside of the one legal constraints and two constitutional constraints that have been put upon the federal government. And we, the state of Texas, are exerting our authority as a sovereign state to do these things as part of a union that we agreed to and is dictated by the compact, also referred to as the Constitution. And until we are willing to do that, we're going to keep losing. So those folks over at TNM, myself included, we would love to start with just the state of Texas to stand up for itself and to push back upon these unconstitutional edicts, mandates and laws and tell them to go pound sand. And once we can do that, we can start acting like the sovereign state that we are. And then once we do that, we can continue to build up the culture of independence so that at some point in the future, maybe near or far, the state of Texas really can, (laughs) really can confront the idea, do we wish to be an independent sovereign nation once again, or do we just want to stay part of the union, but have what we'll call de facto independence? That we're going to assert our sovereignty over the things at the state level, and we're going to agree with the federal union on the things that we need to work together on, whether that's trade or national defense, or just a contiguous border, There's lots of options here. That puts us in a very good negotiating position, which is one of the first rules of business and politics is make sure you negotiate from a position of strength. And right now, we're not doing it, and we have all the strength. We just need to start doing it and not get lost or afraid because people threw out a few words that scare you. And with that, this has been, according to Callas,